Hello, all you rockers out there. This is Oni Logan from the Lynch Mob, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. Episode 52, we're going to take the opportunity to speak to Lynch Mob vocalist Oni Logan. The Lynch Mob will be in town on July 28th playing a very special show at the Altar Bar here in Pittsburgh. The show features not only the Lynch Mom reunited with original vocalist Oni Logan and of course guitar legend George Lynch, but will also feature headlining the show the Michael Schenker Group featuring the original Michael Schenker Group vocalist Gary Barden. So going to be a great night of uh, melodic hard rock, uh, let's call it possibly heavy metal, but uh, really two legends on guitar coming to town in one night, so uh, kind of a can't-miss show. Before we get into the interview, a couple news and notes. Uh, there's been a lot of um, news and twittering and things like that regarding the Winger show that was originally set to happen at the Fate Lounge on June 16th. The show was originally um, going to be at the Fate Lounge, and it was canceled due to the closing of the Fate Lounge. Now, luckily, uh, two of the area's uh, preeminent promoters have kind of stepped in to save the show. It will be at the Hard Rock Cafe on the original night, which is June 16th. It will be, uh, instead of the full winger band, it will be just an acoustic set, but um, I would argue that that might even be more special uh, to see that event. That is Kip Winger and Reb Beach acoustically. So uh, kind of the, the writing tandem that is winger uh, performing the hits. So uh, kind of a can't-miss show. The ticket prices are phenomenally cheap and... Uh, a special thanks to uh, Drusky Entertainment and also Asylum Entertainment for coming together and salvaging the show because it uh, promises to be a great night. So before we get into the interview with Oni Logan, we're going to play a song off of the Lynch Mob's 2009 release. This song is called Lucky Man, probably my favorite uh, album uh, track on the album. So this is Lucky Man and then we'll hear from Oni. <laughs>
Mob, Oni Logan. Oni, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very good, John. Thank you. How are you? I am great. I wanted to um, catch up with you. You guys have got a big tour. You're going to be doing the Lynch Mob and Michael Schenker uh, group are going to be coming uh, to the States and doing some uh, gigs. So we wanted to uh, catch up with you and uh, find out a little bit about what's been going on recently with the Lynch Mob and, and Oni Logan in particular. Now you um well yeah uh, just to give people a background because I know you were kind of um the guy who came in you were the original singer for the Lynch Mob that's and right I was the one and only the one and only as they call me down under in Australia they've got the shirts made up and it <laughs> the one and only <laughs> it's one of the lyrics off of uh, River of Love 
So, yeah, I was the original guy that came in. We toured. Uh, we did Wicked Sensation. Uh, George and I co-wrote the album with the other fellas. And, uh, yeah, we went out on tour uh, opening up for Queensryche in 91, I believe. Yeah, 91 uh, on a Euro tour, European tour. And uh, we did uh, dates with Cinderella back in the day. We may have gone, we may, we may have gone past through your neck of the woods over there in Pittsburgh on that one. And uh, we did uh, quite a quite a bit together. And then, uh, yeah, um, I eventually ended up uh, leaving, or shall we say, we ended up uh, uh, parting uh, amicably, and um, we decided to go our separate ways. And I've did other things. Now, if I could rewind. A little bit. You were born. You were not born in the United States, am I correct? In that That's period? right. I was born in Argentina, Buenos Aires, and uh, but I was raised in the states since 11 months old, so okay. I'm kind of a Yankee. <laughs> yeah, for all intents and purposes, 11 months old. You are you're, you're about as American as you can get. And yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. That's right. You kind of got your start in Florida, am I correct? With um, Diamond Rose. Yeah, that was a little band that, uh, that was the, actually, you know, I had the fortunate opportunity to, I never played in the cover band. If you would ask me to get up and do, you know, I don't know, a few covers tonight, I wouldn't know what to tell you. I wouldn't know what to do. I would have to read it off the lyric sheet. You know, I've never been in a cover band. Um, you know, I think that was an advantage uh, for me because it put me into writing at a very early age. And uh, mm-hmm. it just so happened with a stroke of luck that uh, I was able to do this uh, with Diamond Rose, and uh, and I was able to develop a um, sense of songwriting right away. So that helped me out right uh, from the get-go. Uh, after Diamond Rose, uh, I was invited to this, join this band called uh, Defiance, which was a great kind of, uh, it was a four-piece, straight-up rock and roll, balls-to-the-walls kind of, uh, I, Van Halen meets ACDC-type vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, uh, when... You know, uh, people started to call me up to do uh, sessions in New York. You know, I actually even did a session for Ross the Boss from Manowar back in the day. Um, They flew me up to Manhattan. Here I was at a young age doing session work and and having a great time. And um, by that time, I had met this uh, young lady by the name of Beth Nussbaum, who was the editor for Rock Scene Magazine, and she had videotaped a couple of shows down in South Florida. She was living in New York working for the magazine, and I was down in Florida, and she would come visit uh, her uh, parents who lived down there, and she videotaped it uh, a show or two, and she said she asked me one night if uh, she could send a videotape to Mark Ferrari from Kiel because he was looking for a a singer for his new band. And I said, by all means, you know, and so she did, and I got a call from Mark, and uh, the next thing I know, I'm in sunny L.A. and watching the palm trees and walking down Sunset Strip and doing all the great things that were going on back then. Yeah, so you you went from Florida to California. Now, how did you, after Ferrari, how did you end up on, on George's radar? I mean, obviously, things transpired in Dawkins, which is a story for another day. But how did yeah, you- I channeled that. I made that happen, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. If you believe in esoteric that, channeling, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, no, uh, but I really did, you know. No. Uh, anyhow... Um, I was out here and I was playing in that band Ferrari and we had just gotten a deal with MCA Records and um, at that and, and at that time I had heard that uh, the Dawkins you know, band was disbanding and um, 
and I was like, hmm, wouldn't that be a great plateau to jump off of and work with this cat? Because I really respected his playing, and I thought, wow, you know, this combination. I, I just envisioned it in my mind that uh, we'd be a perfect fit. Later, it would be proven, I believe, and I think a lot of people out there with the first album uh, would would agree. Um, not just to blow smoke up my own, yeah, but <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, no, I just, I just felt this great... Uh, feeling about it and um and and at this same time right around the same time at racer x were courting courting me to uh to join their band um uh, because okay. uh i guess yeah paul gilbert had left and they had this new guy by the name of chris arvon and um the singer had left jeff martin was doing so i don't know what happened there but uh i, I had re- rehearsed with them like about two or three times and great musicians, John Alderetti, Scott Travis, as you know, with uh, Judas Priest yeah. and uh, oh, Bruce, Bruce uh, the guitar player, yeah. was fantastic as well. So they offered me the gig, and actually somebody's got a video out there of the key cl- uh, of, sorry, the country club in the Valley, which was an old rockers hangout and uh, a great venue. Um, and I performed with them there one song, and they offered me the job, and um, I decided I opted to go with uh, Mark Ferrari and uh, do the uh, Ferrari band thing. And um, and uh, so I'm just getting around back to how George got in contact with me. Uh, George was uh, talking to John Alderetti about the bass position for uh, the Lynch Mob because he enjoyed uh, John's playing, who was a monster. <laughs> And John uh, and George uh, had mentioned, well, do you know somebody out here that could, you know, do the the vocal gig for me? And he goes, well, there's this new cat in town. His name is Oni Logan, and uh, I think you should seek him out. And lo and behold, um, you know, less than about two weeks after that conversation, they were at the whiskey show, and I was performing with Ferrari, and they were raising ruckus and telling my band that they were going to take me away and give me a million dollars and give me a Ferrari and all that jive. And so, uh, like I said, I channeled it, I made it happen, and I'm happy I took the decision to go ahead and join the Lynch Mob. It was the best decision ever. Now, was were you, I mean, following in the footsteps of Don Dawkins, who is obviously no slouch as a singer, and basically being with Mick Brown and George, was that, did you feel a lot of pressure to fill those shoes and, and to try to, to, I don't want to say compete, but be on par with Don's vocals and things like that? And did, did the Lynch Mob at that point in time do any old Dawkins catalog songs? We did. Um, back to the pressure thing. Yeah, I felt, felt an immense amount of pressure. You know, I was just this young guy, you know. I was, I don't know, 26 at the time. And here's this platinum-selling band offering me a gig, and these are big shoes to fill. You know, I wasn't worried about the writing end because... Um, I knew that was going to be good because the first song we wrote together was Wicked Sensation, which happened to be the hit song for us um, that would come out later that year. Um, So the writing aspect, I wasn't, um, I didn't feel the pressure, but on the performing end, yes, because I never did, you know, the extensive tour um, to to the point of where you're going out for a month and you're doing shows night after night after night, that kind of thing. So... Um, I may have suffered on some of the gigs, and I'll be honest, because I was uh, a little green, and I didn't have the weight behind me, uh, as Don Dockin, uh did. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I had, you know, good good 
great shows. I had some mediocre shows. I had some shitty shows. So it was all about a learning process. So, yes, on that end, uh, when you step in front of 10,000 people and you're 26 years of age, you know, I, you know, and, you know, I've never played in front of that many people before. You know, yeah, you know, my, you know, I wasn't shaking or anything. It just was a big responsibility. And I think, uh, you know, I may have had a, a few sleepless nights over the idea of opening up for 12,000 people the next day as well. <laughs> Normal person would, but, I'm sure. Yeah, but uh, you know, with time, you you know, you like I said, you get weight, you become pro, you get uh, experience behind you, and you learn how to handle all these things. Um, but uh, uh, the pressure, ah, you know, I felt it, and you know, and uh, I, you know, would later deal with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you parted ways with George after the the Wicked Sensation tour, and then you kind of yes own thing for a while. Um, how did you kind of fill those years in between, you know, 91 to 2008? What what went on in Oni's career? Well, in, 90, 90, in 90, 92, I was offered an, an Atlantic Records deal, and uh, that, that band was called uh, Violet's Demise, and we had, uh, had the producer who, uh, his name is Dave Jordan, who produced... Um, Allison Chain's Dirt album, Mother's Milk by Chili Peppers. And we were experimenting with a, with, the, you know, a bit of a different sound. You know, it wasn't the metal uh, rock thing like, or the blues bass thing like I did with the Lynch Mob. It's a bootleg. It's out there. I actually sell it uh, on my website and uh, it is out there for, for, for purchasing. It's called Violet's Demise. And uh, it was an incredible band. It was an incredible experience. Uh, it was right along the vein of the Zepps meets, uh, you know, um, psychedelia rock, you know. Yeah. So that's what we were into at that time. And that lasted for a few years um, and never got properly released. But we're actually getting it properly released. Um, it looks like at by the end of the year, it's going to be reissued and re-released through a major label, actually. So okay. that's going to be cool. Um, uh, But going back to the years after that, um, let's see, um, I kind of dropped off the radar for for a while because, um, I don't know, I just kind of felt, I kind of got disenchanted with the music biz for a while and I didn't do much for a few years. I just kind of became a common man and uh, held down a common job, you know, and... uh, all along, I was writing, you know, and always trying to further myself on that. But I just kind of want to step away for a bit because nothing, you know, after the whole Seattle thing came through and, you know, kind of butchered uh, or knocked our heads off the block over here in L.A., <laughs> the right. whole scene changed, you know. And yeah. uh, so we were considered, you know, if you would bring up Oni Logan yeah, doing this new thing, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that cat, that's, you know, that's passe, you know, hair metal, what have you. You know that kind of thing. So we weren't we weren't given a second look. You know, even if we wanted to try a new sound. But yeah. um, so uh, I figured I'd lay low. You know, and that's exactly what I did. And then within those years, I um, I got um, fell in love, got married, had a baby, and uh, I moved to Switzerland um, where I live. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been there now six years. I live uh, in the pre-Alps of Switzerland up there in a cave. Believe it or not, <laughs> I like fire. <laughs> Believe it or not, 
Interesting. No, no, I'm just joking. Uh, but I do live in Switzerland, and it's in the pre-Alps. Uh, but, uh, okay. yeah, um, you know, and then I put out a solo album, which was a, um, in 2005, I put out a solo album, which I did in Europe, and uh, and I went for a sound that was just, just a little bit more stripped back, more West Coast, more of the a la, say, for instance, Eagles-type Tom Petty kind of vibe, which I always loved because I'm a 70s rock lover. Uh, classic rock lover, you know, believe me, I love Zepp and I love Pink Floyd and I love, but, you know, I felt like in my, you know, I had already kind of experienced that. I did the hard rock. I did the experimental Zepp side with Violet's Demise. And then I did had this opportunity to do this solo album. So I wrote all the songs on a tape recorder with my acoustic and I would fly back and forth to Germany. And and we had people like Don Airy from Deep Purple play keyboards. We had Steve Lukather on a track. Uh, we had um, Rebecca Becca Bramlett uh, from Delaney and Bonnie Bramlett's daughter sing on a few songs with me. We flew her out from Nashville. And uh, that album is called Stranger in a Foreign Land. And I took a lot of heat for that album in 2005 because everybody was wondering, you know, wow, what happened to his voice? I was just, I was just singing differently. I didn't want to have to scream or shout to be heard. So... Um, so I took on a different kind of laid-back kind of vocal approach and uh, kind of got crucified for it, but what the fuck? I did what I wanted to do, so I always do. So um, so that's where I've been up until a few years ago when I got uh, I got a call from George's manager and, and said, uh, you know, would you like to do uh, go out on tour and do a Cinderella run, a shed tour? And I said, absolutely, yeah, sure, I'm up for it. So... Um, we were anticipating that happening, and, uh, well, the unfortunate thing happened was um, that Tom had uh, had a ruptured his vocal cord, and uh, so that was put on hold. It was just like, Oni, sorry, you flew all this way out here, and no tour. You all right? And I was like, great, great. This would happen, right? So I told George, I said, well, why don't we turn it into a positive and start writing some music and, and do some fly-in dates, like let's go, you know, fly-in dates, meaning go do a couple of shows here, a couple of shows there. And we got invited to do Rocklahoma, which was a big shot in the arm for us because it got us out in front of a, a good audience at the Rocklahoma. And uh, we went on at the perfect timing, just as the storm just had finished with all the lightning and uh, we had nice lights and it was dark and it was moody and here comes the lynch mob or shall I say the reunion between George Lynch and Owen Logan. Um, so um, it was perfect. It was great. And then I said, well, why don't we just keep the ball rolling and start writing an album? And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I'm serious. Let's do this. So I've been coming back and forth for the past two years uh, doing uh, dates, and uh, we just released the album, the new album called Smoke and Mirrors, and uh, we're promoting it, and we'll be promoting it on this uh, MSG run with the Michael, with the Michael Shanker group and uh, playing for all you lovely rock and roll people out there. And the, the, the album, um, just to kind of compare Wicked Sensation with uh, Smoke and Mirrors, were both albums primarily you and George, or exclusively you and George, um, in the writing? Primarily, process? I would say it's George and I. You know, um, with Marco Mendoza's help, of course, who was a fantastic. Um, he was a fantastic asset to the, uh, uh, you know, uh, to the chemistry as well as Scott Coogan on drums. Um, basically, George would come up with the riffs and. Um, 
we would kind of sit together and kind of figure out, um, you know, what's going to be, you know, the, the, you know, the, the parts or what are they going to be like, you know, the verse, the bridge, the chorus, that kind of thing, tie it all up. Um, I would record it on a little handy recorder and I would take it home and port it into my computer. And then I would start coming up with the, um, the vibe, you know, what, what the song was uh, talking to me, you know, what it was saying to me. And I call that the title. And then from the title, I would carry on and uh, start writing some verses and the melodies and, uh, and then the chorus. And hopefully I would, you know, strike rich, you know, very early. But it's a painstaking thing and it's kind of like, you know, chiseling at the at a sculpture and you just got to keep on going and going over it. Um, the comparisons to the Smoke and Mirrors uh, as uh, opposed to... Um, to wicked sensation is um i don't i don't see that there's a, a big difference um maybe a little bit in the sound quality um but the root of the chemistry and the root of the you know of the germ of creativity is there and that was george and i um and that's how it started with um you know with uh, with the lynch mob on the first album of course the fellas you know would come in and 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 you know do their part and stuff like that with anthony and mick back in the day and we kind of treated it as uh as as we did back then with uh with marco and and scott you know the guys would come in and we'd hammer out these riffs and then i would take the uh the uh the germ and and um put my little icing on the cake as as you will if you will and uh so i don't think there's much difference you know the lynch mob to be honest you know i think it's the uh the songwriters and um i have to be fair it's george and i yeah i mean i when i listen to two albums and i actually in the last couple of days it's, it's both of them on my ipod and kind of removed all the other Lynch Mob albums to kind of just compare the two. And, and I'd say the new one's maybe a little bluesier, a little, a little earthier, but I don't think for an 18-year gap in between they sound that much different you know, stylistically. No, 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 you're, you're right. I certainly love the other. Yeah, you're absolutely it's, right. Like, it's, it's, it's the combination of the two guys, the two songwriters. This is what naturally comes out of us, you know, yeah. and that's, uh, that's what you get. You know, I don't think we could try to change our sound and try to be the latest, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, the latest taste of the, uh, you know, of what's going on. It's just not going to work between George and I. We come from classic rock um, upbringings, you know, George with Jeff Beck and me with, you know, my influence from Robert Plant to, you know, B.B. King to Howlin' Wolf, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what we're about. Wonderful. Well, Arnie, I want to thank you for taking the time. Um, we will be seeing you here in Pittsburgh in July. I'm looking very much forward to uh, seeing the, the real Lynch Mob back in uh, one form and uh, on the same night seeing Michael Schenker group back with Gary Barton. Uh, it's uh, kind of fantastic, a, a isn't reunion. it? Yeah, two it's bands. Fantastic. So you, you got two bands with their two original singers. Yeah, really back in the form that they uh, deserve to be. So it's a, well, thank you, man. Thing. We're looking forward to coming to Pittsburgh, PA, on 728 at the Altar Bar. Yeah. We'll see you all there. We hope that you all can attend. It's going to be a rocking evening. That'll be actually our first show with MSG. Oh, um, cool. 
Yeah, so um, so we're looking forward to it. You know, it's going to be great, and um, we'll see you all there. Show up, don't be late, because the lynch mob is going on. You know, first, and um, we hope you enjoy the show. And thanks, John, for having me on and for all your support, man. I really, and the lynch mob, I and the lynch mob really appreciate what you guys are doing for us out there. It's great to see this, this kind of uh, music uh, kind of regain some popularity. It's really wonderful. I appreciate you for taking the time to come and uh, talk with me about this, and we'll see you in uh, a couple of weeks. All right, John, tap me on the shoulder. We'll have a drink, huh? Hey, man. Take care, Ronnie. Thank you. Bye-bye.
right, that was the title track from Smoke and Mirrors from the Lynch Mob. Again, Lynch Mob, Michael Schenker Group, July 28th, Altar Bar. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Before we go, I wanted to play a song. This is called Swinging from the Fences. This is from a uh, local band called The Longtime Darlings. You can get more info on them out at uh, thelongtimedarlings.com. They've got a couple shows coming up. Uh, June 26th, they'll be playing Excuses on the South Side. And uh, they'll play in the Altar Bar on July 30th. And then they've got a pretty sweet gig coming up this summer, later in the summer, August 14th to be exact. They'll be playing out at Hartwood Acres uh, with uh, the uh, legendary Joe Grishek in the House Rockers. So, again, this is the Longtime Darlings with a song called Swinging from the Fences. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Oh, I'm swinging for the fences, for 
right, that was Swinging for the Fences from the Longtime Darlings. Uh, more info at thelongtimedarlings.com, or you can go to our site, ironcityrocks.com, and there you'll find links to our Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, uh, just about anything. We've got some uh, T-shirts for sale if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Hope you uh, follow us on some of those sites, and we look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you. <laughs>